0: Welcome everybody to another episode of the One and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host Hayden Grove, and we are joined as always by our Cavaliers beat reporter Chris Fedor. Chris just got home from the Cavaliers road trip, which was pretty good. You can't, you got it, you got to start there. It was pretty good. Cavaliers win uh, on Monday night over the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte. Um, and cap off a good road trip. And Chris, I think when you look at the road trip the Cavaliers were on, playing some pretty tough opponents, um, going out to Denver, going out to L.A., and then to Phoenix, and then Charlotte, um, they end up with a record of 3-2 and two on the five-game road trip. I mean, that's that's what you want to see from a young team that, that, you know, had some tough challenges in terms of opponents over
1: that five-game stretch. Well, that's certainly better than anybody could have predicted, Aiden. Think about it. They weren't favored in any of those games on the West Coast. Um, they weren't favored in the game last night against the Charlotte Hornets, and they probably shouldn't have been, given you know what those teams have compared to the Cavs. It was supposed to be really, really lopsided, and it was one of the hardest trips to start a season that I can remember. And the Cavs came out of it more connected, more mature, They've shown that they know how to win games. They've shown that they can close these games. Um, there's just a different vibe around this team. There's just a different feeling around this team. And I thought it was really, really impressive. And one of the things that that stood out to me, Hayden, is that after they go 3-2 and two on this road trip, everybody, all the guys that we talked to after the win against Charlotte, were all saying the same thing one we're not satisfied and two we should have been 4 and 1 or 5 and 0 oh on this trip so we've got to look at some of the mistakes that we made on this road trip and we've got to go and we've got to correct those that to me is a change in mentality you know if you think about the past couple of years with this rebuild there there was a natural feeling of okay like we didn't get blown out tonight we played well. We did some positive things. We grew. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. but but now it's like, okay, we go three and two on this trip better than anybody could have expected. Many people thought we were gonna go oh and five on this trip. We go three and two. We're not satisfied. We should have won four games or five games. Like that's just a shift in mentality um, that is very, very noticeable from this group. That wasn't there last year, and it wasn't there the year before either. What do you
0: think the changes? Do you think it's the additions of Ricky Rubio, uh, Evan Mobley, Larry Markkinen? Um, do you think it's uh, just maturity and and guys being there that are you know a year older? I mean, what do you think the uh, the the differences
1: with this group? Well, I think there are a couple of things. Um, you know, first there's just a natural progression that uh, that these teams go through when you're talking about rebuilds, right? Um, you know, early on in a rebuild, there is what we talked about. There is a feeling of, okay, the final score is not um, the sole determining factor about whether we played well or we didn't. Um, our record is not the sole determining factor about whether a season is successful or not. So like early on in in a rebuild, you're looking for those those positive things that you can latch onto that give you hope, that give you belief, um, that make you think you're having success beyond the final outcome. Because early on in a rebuild, a team is not ready for that kind of judgment. They're not ready for final judgment. It's like if you were to put a house up for sale after flipping it and you only complete half of the flip like that house obviously is not ready to go up for sale it's not ready for final judgment and that's where the calves were a couple of years ago now they're in a different place um i mean they're not the milwaukee bucks obviously that have titled aspirations they're not the denver nuggets and the phoenix suns um those teams they're all in win now mode and and the only thing that's going to judge success for those kinds of teams is a championship. So the Cavs aren't in that stage either, but they're not in the beginning stages. They're kind of in the middle where it's year four post-LeBron and it's time uh, to start making moves up the standings. So I think part of it is just like the natural progression of a rebuilding young team. And it was always going to be... Um, According to everybody inside the organization, year four was the one that they were pointing to saying, okay, we've got to take steps forward. Okay, we got to start winning some games. All right, we're sick and tired of losing. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is there's a belief in what they're doing. There's a belief that if they continue to do the things that they have done early on in the season, that they're going to get the results that they want. Um, This is a team that believes... And they've been saying it since media day, Hayden. Heck, they've been saying it since before media day in the offseason when you talk to these guys. There is a belief that they can compete for one of these play-in spots in the Eastern Conference. And you're seeing a team that believes they belong. They believe they can play with the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Suns. As ridiculous as that may sound to a lot of outsiders, inside there is that belief. And I do think... Ricky Rubio's veteran presence has played a part in this. I do think Lowry Markin giving them a new dimension offensively and defensively and allowing them to use this tall ball lineup, I think that has helped. I think Kevin Love and his attitude and his buy-in, I think that has helped. J.B. Vickerstaff said it during the road trip, Hayden, and it was a really, really good point. And I wrote about this. Like, sacrifice right now is at the core of, of this culture. Um... And if Kevin Love, Hall of Famer Kevin Love, who is making $30 million, can accept a role coming off the bench, and Ricky Rubio, who could be a starting point guard on other teams around the NBA, is accepting coming off the bench, that helps set the tone for an organization. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that.
0: I mean, again, guys who have been around for a long time and have been successful uh, at the NBA level and uh, are able to do it and able to continue to do it at, in different roles to come off the bench. I mean, you talk about both of them. Ricky Rubio averaging, you know, 12 and, uh, twelve points and almost seven assists a game. Kevin Love, nine points and almost seven, or around seven rebounds a game. I mean, you know, they're giving you productive minutes. And I think the Kevin Love piece is, is extremely interesting because... We thought talk, we've talked about Kevin Love a lot and what to expect from him. And, and you know, the buy in has certainly been it's been noticeable. I think it's been noticeable. I mean, you know, there are some games where he's, you know, not, you know, producing it that the, the um, at the level that, you know, he probably wants to. But he, when he's coming off the bench, he's giving you solid minutes. There's no doubt. There's no doubt he's you know able to score the basketball, give them a presence, um, and I, I think it's remarkable that you know after all of the frustration we've seen from him, after all of the um, the scenes of frustration and maybe you know uh, things boiling over, I think it's you know a very very positive thing that he's able to come out and be the guy that he's been for the
1: Cavaliers. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's fair too. You know, he's 33 years old; he's in year 14. There are going to be nights where he just doesn't have it. There are going to be nights where he's not playing well. He's getting beat on the defensive end. He's missing shots. Um, and and in those cases, you know, it's going to be up to head coach J.B. Bickerstaff to watch for that and maybe not give him, you know, 20 to 24 minutes or something along those lines. And then other nights, there are going to be times where he is an impactful player. And, and you saw it at times on this road trip. Right? You've seen it at the beginning of the season. Um, but at the end of the day, like it has become very, very clear. And, and we talked about this going into the season, Hayden. He is one of the eight best, most important players um, for the Cavs on this roster. And because of that, he's going to get a spot in this rotation. Because of that, he deserves a spot in this rotation. I think Kevin has always been the guy, too. And this is something that I've argued for a long time stylistically, he's a guy who can help a team and be an asset, even if those shots aren't falling. I forget which game it was. It was one of the games on the road trip. Kevin got the ball, and like two defenders went with him. And I thought to myself, holy crap, this is year 14, and teams are still paying that much attention to Kevin. It gets crazy to think about that. But when you have that kind of reputation and you have that kind of ability, um, defenses are going to have to pay attention to you. Defenses have to pay attention to Kevin out on the perimeter from the three-point line in a way that they don't necessarily um, as much with with some of the other guys on the roster that have filled in for him over the last couple of years. You know what I mean? So even if he's not making those shots, you know, Darius and Colin can benefit. And, right. and and Evan Mobley can benefit and and Jared Allen can benefit because there's more room around the basket and things along those lines. So you know, I I've, I've been impressed with what Kevin has has given the Cavs. Um I do think we have to point out that it's early. <laughs> yeah, it's it's 8 games into a season and and things are going well for the Cavs right now. Um they have exceeded a lot of people's expectations given this hellish schedule at the start of the season. Um, so the key for Kevin and the key for the Cavs is keeping it together, keeping the emotions in check if and when things start going the other way, Hayden. That's, and, and, and we have not seen Kevin do that consistently enough. That's very fair. Very fair. Um, In saying that, I have been talking to a lot of people that feel like the addition of Ricky Rubio has been incredibly beneficial for Kevin. It's not just like they played together and they have natural chemistry and things like that. You know, one of Kevin's frustrations over the last couple of years, Hayden, is that think about where he is in his career and think about where the majority of the roster um, has been in their career. Right. So you've got a guy who knows what it takes to win. you got a guy who knows what it looks like when you're playing good basketball and you're making the right decisions and you're making the right plays. Uh, Kevin is further advanced in in his career than Darius Garland or Colin Sexton or any of these young players that that he was surrounded by. Uh, Now you bring in Ricky, who is on the same level as Kevin intellectually, and and he sees the same things that Kevin does, and he knows how to keep Kevin involved, and he just knows how to play. And this is not to be a knock on Colin Sexton or Darius Garland, but there's just a truth in the progression of players. Um, Ricky Rubio knows more about the game of basketball than either one of those guys. Right. He knows the right play to make and when. He sees things that Darius Garland and Colin Sexton do not see. Right. So Kevin playing with somebody like that, who thinks the same way as him, and 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 understands how to play the right way, that has been really, really big for Kevin's mentality. um, And and it's not something that the Cavs had, you know, the last couple of years. It was supposed to be Matthew Della Vadova, but we all know what happened there. Yeah, um, I this is going to come off spicy. It's going to come okay. off
0: spicy, Chris. Uh, in watching the Cavs this year, and I haven't, you know, I haven't been able to catch every game, but I've been able to catch, you know, most of them. In watching the Cavs this year, I would say my favorite lineup involves Darius and Ricky with the three bigs. Hmm. I don't. Why do you what, think that's spicy? Because people love I mean because Colin's the uh, Colin's the the you know the points guy. he's the he's the the guy that's leading the team in points right now and he's kind of been the again, I'm not gonna say I don't like Colin. I'm just gonna say that
1: Colin, you know is just a, in a different space this year than he's ever been. Yeah, I mean, his role is different. yeah, and, and I think the kind of role that he's been placed in um, is better for the Cavs, and I think it can be better for Colin as well if he if he sticks with it. And mm-hmm. I think some of the frustrations with Collins playing style, um, I think some of those are mitigated by yeah. him in this particular role. Right. Um, look, man, I, I think and and I said it at the beginning of the year, like I'm with you. I, I think I think you're going to have a hard time selling me that any five man lineup that you can come up with that you want to term the best. You're going to have a hard time selling me that Ricky Rubio is not a part of that. Right. And this doesn't mean that he should be the highest usage player on the roster. And it doesn't mean that every possession should go through him. But there's just a comfort that I have in watching Ricky Rubio. And I think there's a comfort that fans have. And I think there's a comfort that J.B. Bickerstaff has when it comes to Ricky Rubio running the offense. And what that means, not for him individually but what that means for the team as a whole.
0: Right, right. And that's, I mean, yeah, I think Ricky Rubio has been the guy that's kind of orchestrated a lot of what this Cavs team has done this year. Maybe again, it's... it just has helped everyone. And we've, we hearkened back to it last year where the Cavaliers just so desperately needed a, a backup point guard. I mean, that was, that was what you said continuously. That's what I said continuously. I mean, again, you looked at like Damian Dotson and, and Matthew Delavadova. it wasn't getting the job done. So that's a lot of pressure to put on Darius and Colin. Now you add Ricky Rubio into the mix who can, you know, command your offense. And, and, and as you said, knows a lot more basketball than Colin and Darius just at the point in their careers that they are. I think it's definitely helped. Um, Somebody else that has absolutely helped has been Evan Mobley. Um, I think I think you could argue right now he's been the best rookie in the NBA, um, just given the given what he's shown you on both ends of the floor, um, leading the Cavaliers in blocks and um, and you know showing very efficiently fair good efficiency scoring the basketball and you know just again he's been a great hub for this Cavaliers offense. What have you seen from Evan, um, who's averaging 13 points and uh, almost eight rebounds to this point in the season? Um in this short, you know, eight-game stint that he's had to
1: start the year. He's just been so great. Yeah. In in so many different ways, offensively and defensively. And I was talking um to an executive about this on the road trip, an opposing executive on the road trip. And and the thing that stands out to me, and I think there's a why attached to this, but the thing that stands out to me is that I think we all believed or knew. That because this was a top three pick, because this was a potential unicorn, Hayden, there were going to be, like, crazy brilliant flashes from Evan Mobley on a nightly basis. You were going to see some things offensively and defensively that just wowed you and said, this dude is different, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that has stood out to me, though, is that. There has been a level of consistency that he has played with at both ends of the floor that I didn't think was going to be there. If you look at some of the numbers from some of these other bigs that have been compared to Evan Mobley and, and what they did as rookies, you know, Chris Bosh wasn't super productive. I think he was about 11 points, eight rebounds. You know, Kevin Garnett was up and down. Even Anthony Davis was up and down. And there are going to be rookie growing pains. Those are going to come. But the impact of Evan Mobley has been so consistent. And and I don't know that I thought it was going to be this level of consistent um, when he first came into the NBA. Because the thing that you hear all the time, Hayden, is that young guys take longer to develop. Uh, Guys who don't consistently have the ball in their hands and dominate offensive possessions are going to have a hard time being really really productive but the truth is like because he plays defense the way that he does and because he's so bought in and impactful on that end of the floor it raises his floor it raises his baseline of impact
0: right he's i mean he's just been he's been spectacular Spectacular, And you look at him and you look at what Jared Allen is doing. Jared Allen also having a r- remarkable start to this 2022, or 2022, 2021 season. Um, leads the Cavaliers in player efficiency, rating 23.22, averaging almost 10 rebounds and 13 points. He's just been, uh, what do you think has been the reason for his, you know, great, great start to this season? Just, he's been, every, every game I look up and he's got, you know, he's eight for eight from the field or, you know, seven for nine. I mean, he's just been so efficient when scoring the basket and it's not really his role. Again, he's not really looking to score the basketball every time, but it's just kind of been there for him. He's gobbling up boards as, you know, as we knew he would. I mean, Jared's probably helping everyone in this offense right now.
1: So I think there are a couple of things, Hayden. I think one, um, he works his ass off. Mm-hmm. I was waiting behind at one of the shoot-arounds because him and I sat down for a big feature that I'm working on that is still to come. And I think most people left shoot-around at around 11.45 or something like that, including members of the media. I think I was waiting until 12.20 to talk to him because he was hoisting a bunch of threes. (laughs) <laughs> and that doesn't mean that it's part of his game right now, but it could be in the future. And and maybe at some point he becomes reliable enough with that shot, or maybe that that, that extra work that he does with the three-point shot is going to allow him to shoot better from the free-throw line, or it's going to allow him to shoot better when it comes to these face-up jumpers that he's taking. Whatever. Like, this guy is never satisfied. Ever. He's always working on something. This past off season, he worked a lot on his offense, finishing with both hands, rip throughs, his face-up game, his footwork. And I think you've seen that. I think you've seen that early on in the season. There are times where he gets the ball in his hands and he just goes to work. He has proven to be more than just like a garbage guy in terms of cleaning up messes and throwing down lobs. Things along those lines. Um, So he's a 23-year-old player who continues to evolve. He is very far from a finished product. And I think the other thing is, you know, you have guys now that that can consistently make passes and, and keep others involved. Like Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio are natural point guards. So they have an understanding, they have a recognition of when it's time to get certain guys the ball and they're willing to make passes, they're willing to attempt passes that truthfully Colin Sexton isn't willing to um, try because he's not good enough, because he's not confident enough in his passing. So I think that has helped Jared a lot too.
0: Certainly, certainly. with And with Jared and... and- Um, you know, all these guys. Again, I think there's been a tremendous... I I think the word buy-in is just... You mentioned the thing about like him, you know, working hard on threes. I mean, working. These guys seem to be bought in and seem to be, you know, working as you said, working hard, working, g- giving their all at this point in the season. And then there's a lot of season left, and they're probably motivated at this point. But there seems to be a collective culture of, hey, you know, I'm going to buy into this because we're all buying into this, and we're going to sacrifice and all this stuff. And I think that you know that culture comes from a lot of different people in a lot of different places, but it's definitely noticeable,
1: and it's something that the Cavaliers really haven't had. You're right. I mean, it's been a while since they've had that. Um, but but you can sense that it's it's top to bottom. I mean, look at a guy like Jetty Osman, for example. Uh, didn't play at all, really, in the L.A. trip. Um, Clippers, I think he got four minutes, maybe? In Lakers, he was a DNP. And then all of a sudden, his number is called um, against Phoenix because Lamar Stevens was wretched in the game against the Lakers. And then Jetty, they didn't win the game against Phoenix, but he makes six threes, the most that he's made since, like, 2018 in a (laughs) single game, right? And then he follows that up with, with the performance last night against Charlotte, where he hit some timely buckets down the stretch. And, you know, he gave the Cavs a little bit off the bench in the absence of Isaac Okora. So... Um, that just goes to show that that's somebody who his role is going to fluctuate throughout the course of the season. But when he gets the opportunity, you know, he's not going to pout. He's not going to sulk. He's not going to sit there and say, give me more minutes. Da 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 He's just going to go out there and, and play his best, the best that he can and try and impact the game. And credit to Jetty Osman, because in the last two games, he has impacted the game in a positive way. We all know that there's a level of inconsistency to his game, um, but in the last two, after being an afterthought in the rotation for two straight games, he's popped off the bench and made a positive impact.
0: Absolutely. Um, I want to get into this, this to the uh, the defense, because I think that with the buy-in, with everything, I think that's been... Um, Perhaps the perhaps my biggest surprise at this point has been the Cavaliers' defense, and certainly they're not at a point yet where they um, not at a point yet where they you know are good defensively. I would say, but you look at those wins on the West Coast. You know they allowed 87 to Denver, 79 to LA, um, 101 to Phoenix. I mean, they did some really really good things defensively today. So. Um, uh, in that game against, they did they did good things on defense in that West Coast trip, and uh, and came back and did good things against Charlotte. So, is the defense a matter of the size,
1: or is it the effort, or is it a combination of both? Well, I think there are a couple of things here. Um, first, if if any team is going to commit to this tiny backcourt like the Cavs have with with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, there are obvious limitations. Yeah. So. The best way um, to mask those as best as you can is to surround those guys with plus defenders. Surround those guys with size. And the Cavs made a commitment to doing that starting in 2020, Hayden, when they used the fifth overall pick on Isaac Kikoro. They're like, okay, we're going to take Isaac Kikoro. He's going to take some of those tougher matchups out there on the perimeter. That way... It doesn't have to fall on on Colin or Darius, and they won't get exploited as much. So, like, there was a recognition that in order to go with this backcourt, changes had to be made within the offense. Um, and and just within the I mean, within the defense, and in terms of the roster makeup in general. So it just takes time in order to find those kinds of players. It seems like three seven-footers surrounding Colin Sexton and Darius Garland it can kind of be the way to go. It's it's good protection for those guys. Right. Evan Mobley is the kind of guy, and Jared Allen is the kind of guy, that erases mistakes at the point of attack. And Markkanen has been surprisingly good on the defensive end of the floor. As I wrote this morning, career highs so far, only eight games in. But career highs in steals and blocks. His size is making a difference. The size of Allen making a difference. The size of Mobley making a difference. You can see some of these teams, Hayden, one, not even testing the Cavs inside. And two, when, when, when some of these um, quicker guards are able to beat Colin, Darius, maybe even Ricky Rubio, they get into the paint and they kind of hesitate. Um, J.B. Pickerstaff phrased it as some of these guys are pump faking ghosts <laughs> because you know that there's so much size waiting for you. And even if they're not going to block the shot, you're kind of looking around waiting for them to block the shot or alter the shot. So that's a huge, huge part of it. Like very few teams have capable, uh, multiple capable seven footers. Um I, I can't think of any other team that has three of them. Right. Well, you said Jared Allen six eleven, right? So yeah, that's, that's right. Almost seven yeah, footers. Almost seven foot. He likes to say that he is definitely taller than seven feet when you consider his signature fro. Oh yeah, I mean that's. I mean you. <laughs> I mean that's got to make him like seven three at this exactly. point, right? Right, and I, I mean,
0: you we joke about it, but that gives him that—that that, that is another two inches. It's crazy. It's—it it's, is. It's crazy. Um, Cavaliers currently four and four on the season, and Chris, I mean, the, you can't ask for much more in that first couple couple weeks. And you know, they're coming up here. They're at home a lot. They have Portland on Wednesday, and then they're in Toronto, New York, but then back for four against Washington, Detroit, and Boston back to back on on the thirteenth and the fifteenth. Um, they go to Brooklyn and they're back again, Golden State, Brooklyn, Phoenix, Orlando. So they got a bunch of home games coming up. I think only three three of their next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 10, 11, 12. So three of their next 12 are away, but the rest are home. So nine of their next 12 are at home. A good opportunity for them to keep things going.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I mean, there were some people that thought the Cavs could have started one in 11 this year, given what was ahead of them in the first 12 games of the season. Um, And (laughs) they have some things that they have to figure out offensively. They need to get better. They know that marketing eventually has to make some shots. Darius hasn't had the breakout season at the beginning that a lot of people expected. Colin Sexton, Doesn't look completely comfortable yet in this particular role, even though he's trying to adjust to it. So there are a lot of things that they have to figure out. In saying that, the fact that they're four and four, um, given many of those things that they have to figure out, and this ridiculously difficult schedule that they've had so far, there's no way that anybody could ask for any more. Right. You're absolutely
0: right. You're absolutely absolutely right. Um, before we get going, any other uh, you know anything else you want to bring up at, at this point? I think it's you know I think it's too early to start making you know big rounding sweeping yeah uh, of course declarations. But it's, games it's, in. it's a positive sign. It's things. It's a positive sign that things could be a little bit better this year than maybe we expected
1: them to be. Well, the one thing that stands out is they don't have a lot of depth. Right. So. I mean, they're already without Kevin Love indefinitely. Isaac Okoro has missed the last four games because of this hamstring strain. It's <laughs> it's two weeks into the season, Hayden. They're playing eight guys. Right. In a ridiculously tough stretch, they're playing eight guys. So this really isn't a team um, that can afford to lose multiple people at the same time. And... If if Isaac can't come back here for this game against Portland or early on into the next road trip against Toronto, New York, I think the Cavs are going to start feeling it more when it's on top of Kevin Love. Like If you think about last night's game against Charlotte, the minutes where Kevin was supposed to be out there were occupied by Dean Wade. Uh, those weren't good. Right. He played 14 minutes. They were outscored by eight points during that time. Um, so... This isn't a team that can really afford to lose multiple guys at the same time. And we do know that throughout a long season, 82 games, depth is going to be tested. And if if the Cavs lose any of these top eight in their rotation for any length of time, um, I, I think it's going to be hard for them to weather that. Sure, certainly. Uh, you're right. The depth is not there. I mean, it's just facts. You look I mean, up- if they... If they lose Jared Allen, they don't have a backup center.
0: No. Think yeah. about
1: that. If, yeah. if they lose Lowry Markkanen for any extended stretch, this identity that they've adopted as tall ball goes away. Right. Because they no longer have three near seven-footers. They're back to two near seven-footers. And a lot of teams have two near seven-footers or seven-footers. The fact that the Cavs have the third who can also play the three, that's what makes them unique. So losing any one of those guys for any stretch of time, um, that's going to be hard for the Cavs to overcome. So as as tough as things have been early on in the season, health has been on the Cavs' side in a way that, you know, it wasn't last year. And when everything went to, to crap last year for the Cavs, it's when the injuries really, really started piling up, especially um, it started with Larry Nance Jr. And then it just... It just trickled down after that. So so depth is something to keep an eye on as, as we move forward here, for sure. You cannot tell me.
0: You cannot tell me
1: the Cavs don't
0: have a backup center outside of uh, outside of Jared Allen. They do because,
1: not. Because today is Tuesday. They do not have a
0: playable it, backup and center. Is, and it is Taco Tuesday. <laughs> so you cannot sit here on Taco Tuesday. <laughs> and tell me the Cavs don't have a backup center. They, have, they definitely do. His name's Taco Fall. Give okay. him a shot. Give him a uh, shot. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I do love Taco Fall. <laughs> <laughs> Cavaliers 4-4, four four. they play again tomorrow night, Wednesday night, at uh, the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. They will be taking on the Portland Trailblazers. And uh, we'll see if this continues. Again, we'll see if this continues. Uh, before they head to Toronto and New York, they're going to play some Eastern Conference opponents coming up. Um, but, again, a good start for the Cavaliers for sure. And um, I'd def- say great start, a great start. I will give them that, a great start. Um, unlike the other team in town, people are excited. People are looking forward <laughs> to the future. <laughs> Why um, did you have to go there? Why? I had, I, it's, it's the end. I had to go there. To. <laughs> in any case, thank you for joining us on this edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. We will talk to you soon. Again, uh, welcome back, Chris. I know the road trip was a long one. Haven't been home since what? Since October, like twenty third, twenty fourth. So take some time to enjoy your family, your your wife, and um, and, and just being home for a little yes. bit. Before uh, before what? You got to be back on Friday. Back on the road. So then you got a good week or so from there. So it's yeah. all good. But yeah. appreciate you everybody joining for. Thank you everybody for joining us. We appreciate you, and we will talk to you soon on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Take care.